This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, from the jump here, I just need to, I guess, apologize for something. I'm in the process of getting a new microphone. I think uh, something's gone wrong with the microphone that I'm currently using. The warranty is going to take care of it, but there's a weird buzzing in my headphones. I hope to goodness you're not hearing a buzzing on your side. And that's just me being real honest with you guys, because if I can't be honest with you, then what am I here for? So if you're hearing a buzzing, don't worry. We're working on it. We're going to get it fixed up. But I know you guys want this podcast weekly, so I didn't want you to have to wait. So let's go ahead and move on to the reason that I'm recording this podcast. And let's not have you wait any longer. My wife is pregnant. So I am super, super excited about this. Obviously, this is going to be my wife and I's first baby. Uh, We are very, very excited about all this. And we're even more excited about it because even if you go back to episode 71 of this podcast, I revealed to you guys and shared with you that my wife and I have lost two babies. Um, We've had two babies you know, that we thought we were going to bring into this world over the last two years. And it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, My wife miscarried and you know, it it sucks. It sucks for, for a lot of reasons. And we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that later, but we're very, very excited now as of the recording of, or you listening to this podcast, my wife is just now getting into the third trimester. So we're uh, past all those standpoints where, you know, mom or baby would be at major risk of any type of physical ailment or something like that. So the percentages that will be welcoming a baby boy into this world are incredibly high. And so we just wanted to share that with you because here's the thing is we have a community of guys here with Undaunted Life. Uh, you guys participate with the podcast. You interact with us on social media. You send me emails. And the thing is, is after that podcast, there was a lot of, this was podcast 71. There was an outpouring of love from you guys that I could feel. It was, it was visceral. It was real. And I got emails, phone calls, text messages uh, from people that have, you know, their wives had miscarried and they had lost babies and even people that had uh, lost children um, after they had been born. And um, man, it just, it just sucks in, in all those different scenarios. And the thing about it is, is most people are alone when they're going through that. And I didn't feel alone. Uh, the first time I didn't tell anybody because, you know, what the heck do you tell somebody uh, when you have a baby die? Um, and, but the second time I kind of overtold, I told just about everybody, but you know, all of that, you know, there's the whole rainbow baby thing where you lose a baby and this is a rainbow baby. And we're, we're, we're still praying uh, that this baby's healthy and mama's healthy and all those things. But guys, I just wanted to thank you. I just wanted to take a quick second to say thank you very much for your prayers. Um, I honest, I know it sounds weird, especially if you're a non-Christian. I, it's like, I almost felt the prayers from you guys. I felt the concern uh, for my wife and I, and we're just really, really excited that we have guys like you in our lives that have, uh, been able to provide for us in that way, but she's pregnant. We're excited. We're getting the house ready. Like we're getting everything ready to go. But the thing that I wanted to share with you today is the reason why I named the episode, what I named it. It's called, you're going to make a great dad because since we've let this news out, since we've told people, we told friends and family, you know, we made it Facebook official a couple of weeks ago or whatever the thing was is I've heard that a lot. directly to me, Kyle, you're going to make a great dad. And 
I mean, I just got to say, like, that's a really, really awesome compliment. Like, of all the compliments, you can say, hey, you're in really good shape, or hey, uh, I like your face, or hey, you know, you can say a lot of different things, but you're going to make a great dad, or you're going to be a good dad someday. Like, that's next level. Like, that is that is tier one when it comes to the types of compliments you would want to get. And the funny thing about it is, even well before my wife had ever gotten pregnant, well before we even tried to have kids, I would have people tell me that. I've had people tell me that over the years that, you know, Kyle, you know, I know whenever the time comes, you're going to make a great dad. And so I'm not telling you that so that I can, you know, be super braggadocious on myself. The the way, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because that statement that has been uttered by so many people has caused me to really step back and think about who I am and how I'm developing. Because the first thing, because I'm kind of weird with compliments. Like when people start giving me a compliment, especially in person, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, I kind of want to like move on and go to the next thing. But when these people were giving me those compliments, the first question that came to mind is, are they right? Like, am I going to be a great dad someday? I, I don't know. And then it's like, okay, well, what does a great dad look like? You know, I look at my dad and the things that I liked about my dad and maybe the things that, you know, I wish were better about my dad or whatever situation may be. But you start, you know, considering those things and you start thinking about those things a little bit further and kind of breaking down what exactly your philosophy is around the answers to those questions. Right. And so I've spent a lot of time at this point. I spent years, literally years thinking about that one exact thing and kind of where I'm at right now is I hope they're right. I hope that these people are right, that I am going to make a great dad someday. But the thing about that is I'm just so glad that these people said that because it made me think, because it made me think about the things that I know I'm going to be good at, the things I'm going to, that I'm worried about, the things that, you know, I'm going to need to develop at, you know, at the same time while I'm trying to be a husband and, you know, dote on my wife and all those different things. But the thing that I wanted to kind of go over today is I wanted to just kind of flow on some things that are going to be going through my brain. And the thing is, is you guys are going to help me with this because, you know, it takes a village. You guys are part of my village. You're part of, you know, technically part of my extended foxhole, if you will, the guys listening to this podcast. I want to go over a few things that I've kind of been thinking through as, uh, you know, we're working our way towards bringing a baby into this world. So the first thing I kind of thought about things that I'm actually worried about. Okay. So when I sit back and think about, Hey, in, in roughly about three months ish, hopefully Lord willing, we'll bring this baby boy into the world. There, here's the things that I'm worried about. The first thing it's just keeping him alive. <laughs> I mean, I know I know that sounds ridiculous, but I've never had to keep another human being alive before, right? I've had a couple of puppies, like all those things, but you know, you can stick a puppy in a cage and leave for a day and no you don't go to jail. And so that's the first thing is just I'm not I'm not really worried that I'm going to let this kid die, but at the same time it's like, you know, you they are sustained by life by you, but we've been taking all the precautions you can in the, in the year 2020 to make sure baby's healthy. My wife even told me about this thing. I don't even know what it's called, but it's like a sock. It's like a special sock that you put on the baby's foot and it'll like let you know on your phone if the baby's breathing and exactly what the heart rate is and like what their favorite color is going to be. Like it tells you everything. This thing freaking tells you everything, but it keeps moms or dads from, you know, like waking their baby up in the middle of the night just to make sure that they're still breathing. And you know, there's, there's SIDS that people have to worry about and there's all these these things that you can be super stressed about. The thing that my wife and I are trying to do is we're trying to prepare ourselves, our hearts and minds and souls as much as possible to make sure that we do everything that we can to honor the gift that God gave us and make sure that this baby can be alive. So that's the first thing that I'm a, I'm a little worried about, but you know, we're working through it. But now getting into kind of like what kind of dad I'm going to be again. Hey, you're going to be a great dad. Okay. I'm worried about being too demanding as a father. And so if you can guess, 
I'm a fairly demanding guy. I know that's going to seem like a surprise to a lot of you guys, especially with my tone here on this podcast, but I'm fairly demanding and I can be really demanding. I can be demanding of the people around me, the people that are on my teams, the people that are uh, working with me, the people that are doing projects with the people in my foxhole. I'm just a demanding guy, but I don't want to be too demanding. And so one thing about my parents growing up is they weren't, they weren't overly demanding in my opinion. They just they let me know what the score was going to be from the beginning. So like I've told you guys before, you know, I got grounded if I came home with bees. Okay. And it's not because bees are some sort of especially bad thing, but if I came home with a B instead of an A, I was grounded. And the reason was, is because my parents knew I could do better. They knew in certain subjects that I can do better. The only time that I wasn't actually grounded was it would have been 10th or 11th grade. I was in AP chemistry and I got B's both semesters in that class in high school. And that was the best I could have done. That's just not how my brain works. And mom and dad didn't say anything, right? They did. They just didn't say a word. Hey, I think they kind of knew I was kind of science stupid. And so they were, they let that go. Same thing in sports. They didn't care how I performed. They care what I did while I was out there. Did I give full effort? right? So they weren't like super demanding of me. My dad, you know, if I had an O for four day at the plate, he didn't take me home and I had to, you know, hit a thousand balls off the tee before I could go to bed. Like it wasn't one of those situations, thank God. But the thing that I have to think about for me is I saw parents that were very strict as it pertained to my performance because they knew I could do better, but I didn't think they went over to the point of being, you know, authoritarian demanding that type of thing. But I am a little worried about me being, being too demanding because I expect so much of people. I mean, part of the reason why I do a podcast like this and I talk to you guys the way that I talk to you and to my friends that I talk to in person is because I know you can do more. So when you're wanting to quit in the middle of the workout, it's like, no, no, you're not going to do that. Last night, there's a guy that's not really in good shape at all. He was at, he was at our uh, Sunday night workout thing. Uh, I'm recording this, you know, the Monday before the, this comes out, but I'm sitting there with this guy and we're doing wall sits and this guy's wanting to give up every 10 seconds. But it was amazing whenever I went and got on the wall next to him, it it was amazing how much more he could do because he was, you know, getting ready to fall. It's like, no, 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 no. Get up, 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 up. And then he got up, right? Like that's all he needed. He needed somebody in his ear yelling at him with his voice crack and say, dude, you can do this. You can freaking do this. You know what I mean? And so I just have to be very, very careful that I carry that demanding nature in my kids, but in in a positive way, I guess. And the third thing that I'm worried about uh, that I, you know, thought through is not fully bonding with my son. Cause I've talked to guys that, you know, maybe they were, you know, here's the easiest example. Maybe they were the athlete. They were the superstar athlete all the way through school, got a scholarship and all that. And they're still athletic, even in their adult ages and their kids may be into video games or maybe they're into puzzles or uh, dancing or art or cooking or something like that. And so that is one thing I'm a little bit worried about. And I know that's not going to be the biggest deal in the world, but again, you know, with, with me, I'm a fairly eclectic guy. Like I can, I can get into music. I can get into all these different things, but I would, I would love for my son to be really, really into sports. And I would love for him to be especially into the sports that I'm especially into. I'd love for him to like fighting and wrestling and grappling and jujitsu. And I'd love for him to be into baseball and I'd love for him to be into college football, like college football. Like I'd love him to be into those things, but I don't want to be the dad. That's just like, all right, you're going to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan. If not get out. And you know, unless he's a Cubs fan, at which point he probably should get out, but we'll digress from there. So that's one thing that I'm a little bit worried about is not fully bonding with him. But, but again, that's me being a little bit a little bit ridiculous because we're years and years and years away from that. But that's one thing that I want to make sure that I'm a dad that bonds with his son, regardless of what his son likes or doesn't like. Okay. 
So those are the things I'm worried about. Keeping him alive, being too demanding and not fully bonding with him. But here's the things that I'm not worried about. Okay, so here are the things that I've thought of that guys have had trouble with, with with their kids or with their spouses or whatever that I just don't feel like I have to worry about. And the first thing is fighting with Kelsey, fighting with my wife. I am not worried about that whatsoever because I recognize right now and she recognizes right now that there are a lot of things that we've prepared for. There are a lot of conversations that we've had, philosophical conversations about how we're going to parent and how we're going to raise the kid and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. But both of us know that we have not covered every possible topic or issue that could possibly arise. We know that. And we've acknowledged that at some point, maybe even early on, her upbringing is going to run headlong into my upbringing and there's going to be a stalemate and there's going to be a fight. Like we know that's coming. And that's exactly why I'm not worried about it because I know that these things are going to happen. She's going to say something in front, in front of me. That's also in front of the kid that I don't approve with and approve of and vice versa. And we're going to have to have a closed door meeting after the kid's gone to bed. But the thing about it is, is my wife and I, if you go back to our marriage devotional on the Version Bible app, an undaunted marriage, I talk about fighting. I think it's day three. It's all about fighting, right? Because you have to fight for your spouse. And most of the time we're fighting against them. It's, it's these nothing fights about, oh, you bought strawberry jelly instead of grape jelly. Ah, level 10 freak out. Like it's not real. I'm not worried about that. And the biggest reason that I'm not worried about that is because my wife is ride or die. My wife is for me. And I know that. And I am for her and I will fight for her. And she is the number one priority in my life on this earth. She's number one, right? And I'm, I'm saying that on this earth, you know, obviously my, you know, my discipleship with Jesus Christ and all that supersedes everything, but on this planet, actually on this planet, it's my relationship with her. And that even supersedes the relationship with our son that's coming and any kids that come after them. It's her, right? I need to love her as Christ loved the church. So I'm not worried about fighting with her because she fights fair, Right. She's not one of the, I had a buddy the other day and, and I hate this for him, but his wife, you know, he said, he kind of described their, their fighting. And he said that, you know, he and his wife, whenever they fight, she doesn't fight fair. She automatically goes to that place. And for all of you guys, you know what that place is. Maybe it's your relationship with your father. And when your wife starts talking about your dad, it's like, Wah! you know, you just like lose your ever loving mind. But every time they fight, she goes there. She goes for the jugular. She goes for the ace of spades. I don't have that. I'm not worried about that. I'm tremendously best blessed. The next thing is that I'm not really worried about is making the mistakes that a 23-year-old Kyle would have made, okay? So by the time baby boy, Lord willing, is welcomed into the planet, I will be 33 years old. I'm a 33-year-old man, but I know a lot of friends that started having kids in their early 20s, right? So that was about the age I was whenever my wife and I got married, and I had a lot of buddies that started having kids immediately. So I'm not going to make some of the same mistakes that that Kyle would have made because I'm not as immature as that Kyle. And and the thing is, is like being, I've been a goofball my entire life, but I've been fairly mature for my age, every age that I attained. Right. So I wasn't like a lunatic, you know, chasing women and making a bunch of stupid decisions in my early twenties, but I just had some immature thoughts, right? I had some, some immature ways of acting, some immature ways of thinking. You know, I think back on some of the things, even that, you know, now that we have social media, you can just click back to the stuff you were saying 10 years ago. You're like, ah, oh, geez, that's like part of the forever record on the internet. Now it'll never die. So that's one thing that I'm not worried about is making some of those similar mistakes. And the thing is, is I'm 30 freaking three. It's not like I'm 80. I'm not a sage, you know, one of those types of things. So it's, it's 
something that I'm <laughs> that I'm still going to have to look back when I'm 43 and think, oh, you numb nut, what did you do that for when you were 33? But you know, I'm not really worried that as much about that. And the same thing too is, and I told you guys a lot about this, especially on my uh, you know the altar of sports episode and different things. I used to lose my mind watching sports, and I remember whenever I would watch sports, you know, especially Cardinals games or Thunder games. And uh, the game wouldn't go my way. Again, a game that had nothing to do with me, of, of which I could not control the outcome in any way, shape, or form. And I would lose my mind and rip my shirt off and ah, do all this other crazy crap. And my wife, you know, she would just say, how in the world am I supposed to have kids with you? Like, again, think mid-20s, right? And at the time, I'm way too mad to even like be able to acknowledge that. But dude, she was right. And so in the last few years, making the adjustments that I've made to my life so that I can be more mature, like even uh, even recently, I was at this big wrestling duel, uh, you know, it was a bedlam wrestling duel, OU versus OSU. And, you know, it's at OSU and just, you know, the, the grown men and women just screaming their hearts out and saying nasty things, the other team and all that. It's just like, man, I'm so glad that I will never show that side of me to my kid. Because if I even feel that welling up in me, I'm just going to turn it off. I'm just going to do something else. Like I was invited to come speak to a, uh, a Wednesday night, like family kind of Bible study, this home group, it's called life group. Uh, if you attend life church, um, but the big thing that I told them is like, look, I'm a gigantic St. Louis Cardinals fan. That's why I don't watch St. Louis Cardinals games. I mean, they, were, they kind of looked at me like, what? That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it's like, no, 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 seriously. The reason why I don't watch those games is because I care about the outcome so much right? And the more I distance myself away from it, the more I can focus on things that actually matter. I mean, I love baseball. It's so entertaining, but I can just watch the highlights later and just live with the outcome. Cause guess what? If they're one of the best teams ever, they're going to lose 60 plus games this year. You know what I mean? So anyway, won't belabor that point anymore, but yes, I'm not worried about making the mistakes I would have made 10 years ago. And I guess the last thing that I'm worried about is not knowing everything there is to know about fatherhood and parenting. Um, I talk to guys that I would consider to be great fathers and, or I'll just watch them and, you know, maybe they've got, you know, three, four or five kids or, or something like that, but they're just very, very involved and they're, they're just good at being a dad. And then you hear them talk about fatherhood and parenting and they talk about it. Like they just started reading the book, right? They, they just, they, oh man, they're like, gosh, even just yesterday, I just yelled at my kid because of this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, Man, like these are guys that I would consider to be A-level first round draft pick fathers and they're still messing up. And so I'm not worried about the fact that I don't know everything. And part of that is because I have a foxhole established. I have guys that are almost all fathers that have made their mistakes and taken their lumps and paid their dummy taxes and all those things. And I can lean on them and say, Hey, my kid's doing this thing. Did your kid do this thing? Oh yeah, he did. Well, what did you do when he did the thing? I'm really, really even excited about that. Like, Hey, uh, I'm really stupid in this particular area. Can you make me less dumb? Like, I, I think that's awesome. So the things I'm not worried about fighting with my bride, making the mistakes I would have made 10 years ago and not knowing everything that there is to know about fatherhood or parenting. The next thing I kind of thought about is the, the type of dad that I know I will be. Cause again, Hey Kyle, you're going to make a great dad. It's like, what does that even mean? But the type of dad that I know that I will be. Okay. The first thing is that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will be an involved participatory in there, in the game father. I will absolutely be there. One of my favorite things about my dad, and I'll remember this for forever. And if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm going to say, dad. But the thing about it is, is my dad didn't just come to all my games as a kid. He came to all my practices. And my dad didn't have an incredibly flexible schedule and all those things, but my dad made it happen. He was there. He was involved. Now he wasn't messing with the coaches. 
He wasn't, you know, talking to my coaches, trying to get me more playing time like some of the other dads were. He wasn't like slipping money to the coaches to get me more playing time like some of the other dads were. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was there. He was in his truck and he was watching or he was in a lawn chair. He was just around. And at the time there were no phones, right? He wasn't sitting there reading a book. Like he was involved. He was watching his son, right? He was very, very involved. And so I want to be like that. I want to set up a life where I can be super, super involved like that. Not meddling, right? Not a meddling father, but very, very involved. So I know I'm going to be a dad like that because that's the dad that I had. Okay. The next thing that in terms of the type of dad that I know I will be is I'm going to be a protective sheepdog. That's just who I'm going to be. And I don't just mean physically. Okay. So yes, I will model what it's like to be a sheepdog and what it means to be a sheepdog to my son. I will absolutely do that. Right. That that's part of the thing that I'm, I'm, that I'm most excited about is being able to show that. But some people take the sheepdog status of things and they only think about it physically. Right. Okay. You know, just like with our interview with Pat McNamara, like I need to prepare my combat chassis to be able to be effective in all kinds of situations with a weapon, without a weapon at distance or short distance, like got to be strong or got to be quick. All those things. I'm going to be ready for those situations because that's just who I am. But I also want to be a protective sheepdog when it comes to bad theology, bad philosophies, bad worldviews, pluralism, all those things. I want to be able to protect my son from those things. And I know I'm not going to be able to create an environment where I can't, where I screen out all of the bad theologies and philosophies and everything else that I said, I'm not going to be able to do that. But let's just say, you know, we have our kid in the public school system and he comes home and he says, Hey, you know, he's in first or second grade. He's like, Hey, my teacher asked me what gender I felt like today. You best believe sheepdog daddy is marching down to the school. And we're going to have a very animated discussion with the teacher and anyone else attached to that teacher, right? Because I'm going to protect my son from bad thought processes. I'm going to protect my son from the satanic things in this world that are going to potentially lead him astray. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And that's the encouragement I would give to you guys is I know a lot of you guys out there, you're dangerous. And I don't mean like, I'm not saying that sarcastically. There's no tongue in cheek here. You're a dangerous dude. You can fight. You can shoot. You're, you're physically imposing and intimidating, but not when it comes to your mind. You know, you've, you've got these situations where you have these, the, these guys that are going to be intimidated by you because you're so tall and you're so big and you're so all those things in, and, and that's useful. That's useful to a certain degree. But what about the situation that I just said? Your daughter or your son comes home and, you know, the teacher asks them what gender they felt like today, or, you know, they go to a Christian school and yet in, in, this is an exact example that I got from somebody. They go to a Christian school that you pay a lot of money for. And they tell your kids that you need to do a research project on Buddhism. And then next week you're going to do Hinduism. And the week after that, you're going to do Islam. You're at a Christian school. Like, are you prepared? And this guy was, but are you prepared to get in that fight to be a protective sheepdog? So that's my little encouragement commercial to you, but we'll move back over here. I will be a protective sheepdog dad. I know that. And the last thing is, again, I've set it up before. I'm going to be a demanding father. I know I will be a demanding father. The only question is, will it be the good kind or will it be the bad kind? 
And so again, I've seen that modeled for me in my life. I've seen that modeled with my parents and I've seen that modeled with everybody else. But here's the other thing is there's a lot of people that model it poorly and I learn from them too. When I see them act a fool, I can learn from that person too. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will be a very, very demanding father to the degree that that is beneficial. So the type of dad, I know that I will be involved in participatory. I know I will be a protective sheepdog and I certainly know that I will be demanding. Now, here's the type of dad that I know I won't be. I know this. And some of you are like, oh, you don't know yet. You don't have a kid. It's all going to change. No, 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 no. I'm making a decision right now. And I'm putting it out there on the interwebs for all you guys to see so that if I don't end up being this guy later, you can pound me for it. I give you full permission. Even if you're a stranger, come on and let me have it. The type of dad that I know I won't be. First thing, I will not be the crazy fill in the blank, baseball, wrestling, jujitsu, basketball, etc. dad. I will not be the crazy, you know what dad. There's no way. So the dads that are at the wrestling tournament, I saw this one dad, I couldn't believe it. Like he was in his son's ear so hard. He's sitting right next to the coach. This guy clearly doesn't know anything about wrestling and he's just getting after his son. And when his son lost, he like grabs his son by the arm and he's leading him off the mat. And I can tell you at that exact moment, if he had gone any further than that, there was about a half a dozen sheepdogs that I knew personally in that area that were going to regulate on that dude. But he went crazy wrestling dad right? You got the crazy baseball dads that are yelling at the umpire. Oh, this is the worst thing ever. Blah, blah. It's like there's seven year olds out there. They can barely run without falling over and you're losing your mind because a little league umpire in your local community called a bad strike. Like really? I know I'm not going to be that dad. And guys, I was set up to be that kind of dad because I'm so demanding because I'm so competitive. I was set up to be that kind of dad. And I'm, I'm thankful that my wife and I are having kids now that I've kind of gotten past that, that, that craziness, because my kid would be playing those sports around this time. And if I had had all this experience being a crazy loser, idiot, lousy, like loud idiot dad, then that's just, that's who I would have been. That's who I would have been. And there would have been no getting around it, right? That is not the type of dad that I, that's the type of dad I know I won't be. I will not be that type of dad. Here's the next one type of dad that I know I won't be. I'm not going to be a helicopter dad, right? I'm not going to be the dad that's hovering. You know, you've heard the the phraseology of helicopter parents and all they're trying to do is they're trying to clear the runway, right? You know, they're trying to prepare the road for their kid as opposed to trying to prepare their kid for the road, that kind of a deal. That's not going to be the type of parent that I am. Again, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be participatory, but I will let my son make mistakes. I will let my son get hurt. I will let my son take his bumps and bruises, you know, physically, mentally. I'll, I'll let him do that. Because I know that that's the path towards resilience. That's the path towards toughness. And the thing I talk about all the time, I even had a guy last night, he complimented me on my toughness. And it's just like, dude, if you only knew the road I had to go down to become tough, there are a lot of guys that are just born tough, right? Like they're just tough from the moment they were born. That's not who I am. I've had to cultivate that. But it's something that I feel like I started cultivating really as an adult. And I want my kid to be start cultivating that as a kid, Right. And so these helicopter parents that are, you know, anytime there's a problem at school with the teacher, like, you know, when the kid's being bad, the kid's being disruptive, I'm not going to be the dad that goes there and assumes that the teacher's wrong. Again, if she starts pulling some of that bull crap, like I described earlier, then yeah, you know, it's gonna be a different discussion. But if my kid's being a knucklehead, right, that's not, I mean, that's, that's to a certain degree, her job to take care of that. You know, that's what she signed up for being a public school teacher. But at the same time, it's like, no, you know, I'm on the teacher's side. You need to not be a knucklehead when you're at school. Right? I can't change the entire public school system by myself or private school or whatever, but you can't be a knucklehead. 
So I'm not going to be a helicopter dad. I just know that. I'm just not going to happen. And the other type of dad that I know I won't be is I'm not going to be the cold, distant, aloof, uninvolved father. All right, we, we've kind of been over that. But again, some guys kind of back into that, right? They're so excited to have a kid and then, you know, their kid's in, involved in things and so a lot of dads kind of get in their own heads and they they stop developing as a man and they just, they kind of get, they get, they get distant, right? Some people, they're chemically distant because they're on drugs or they're, you know, you know, drinking too much or they're doing prescription drugs or whatever the situation may be that causes distance. That's just not going to be the dad that I am. Like, I don't have any vices like that. Chemical vices like that, that would even cause me to go down that road. Thank God. Right. So the type of dad that I know I'm not going to be the crazy, crazy sports dad, I'm not going to be the helicopter dad. And I'm certainly not going to be the cold distant dad either. But then, you know, as I'm thinking about this, cause I've had a lot of time to think about having a kid. And then we found out very, very early that we were having a son and it was just this tremendous feeling. Like I, I can, rem- I'll remember that for the rest of my life where I was when we got the email, Hey, why chromosomes floating around in there? You're going to have a boy, but there's a lot of things that I'm excited about when it comes to having a son. Okay. Um, the first thing I would say that I'm excited about is, is kind of the same thing that I tell guys why I wanted a son so much is because in this a little bit crass, but you've guys heard, have certainly heard this. When you have a son, you have to worry about a singular penis, right? Whereas if you have a girl, you have a daughter, you have to worry about every penis on the planet, right? I know that's ridiculous, but I've had so many girl dads that have reached, that's reached out to me or that I'm friends with. That is exactly their life. They're just like, yeah, with my son, I just got to make sure he doesn't put that anywhere. It's not supposed to go uh, until it's time to put it there with the girls. You just have to worry about so many more things. I know that's a haggard way of saying it, but I'm excited about that aspect about the fact that I don't have to have that much worry, but getting into the real reasons why I'm most excited to have a son, the very first thing and to a certain degree is, is way far above the other things I'm going to mention is rites of passage. I am incredibly excited to develop personalized rites of passage for my son. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Maybe it's, you know, from the age of 10 to the age of 18, there's some sort of a, you know, curriculum that I've developed that, you know, I will help. And every year there's like a, me and my son go on this trip and maybe I bring some of my foxhole guys with me and we, you know, we kind of teach things to the son and each year the things get progressively more difficult and we're reading books together and we're talking about it and we're developing and, you know, we're doing physical training we're doing all those things. Like all that's to be determined. Right. But in the United States, I talk about all the time in, in Western culture, really, we don't really have rites of passage. The, the Jewish culture, you know, the, their religion, they, they have rites of passage with bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs and those different things. We don't really have that as Western Christians. Um, we don't live in a tribal culture or an agrarian culture where they have different rites of passage. Like, okay, you're, you're, a, you're the man now, you're the man of the house now. They just don't have that. My son will have that. He will know that he is prepared to go into the world when he's 18. He will know that. He will know that he's ready to go. And that doesn't mean that he's impervious to any problems that's going to happen on this planet. That's certainly not what rites of passage do, but he's not going to have any confusion about who he is and who he's supposed to be. None, none, if I can help it, right? I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he's not wayward and and to do the things that I can do that are actually within my power to make sure that he has the lessons he needs and the tools in his tool belt to be successful. I am super excited about that. And guys, to be honest with you, for those of you that have sons, don't you think that if I develop this for my son, that I'm going to pass it on to you? You know, I will, because if it works for him, if it works for us, you know, I want to make sure that it gets out to as many people as possible. The other thing that I'm most excited about when it comes to having a son is just being able to pass on wisdom. 
you know, when you have, uh, when you're a little kid and you have a conversation with your grand, great grandfather or your grandfather, or even your dad or something like that, and just the wisdom. And it's not like, Hey, here, I'm about to impart some wisdom, grab a book, grab a notebook and a pencil. Like it, it doesn't even have to be that formal, but you just learn things from being around. And I'm just, I'm excited to do that. Like, you know, when, when he starts lifting weights, if, if he's physically able to do that, when he starts lifting weights, being able to show him the proper form on a squat or a deadlift. Right. You know, whenever he gets time to to be in a particular sport, let's say it's baseball, being able to show him how to have a swing where, you know, the barrel of his bat is in the zone for as long as possible. Right. If he's into jujitsu, it's like, hey, here's here's a little tweak to your rear naked choke to make it even even tighter to where you get the tab quicker. You know, just those things that that's wisdom. And those are sports wisdom. But what about just like, hey, this is how you treat mom. Right. Watch how I treat mom. You're going to treat her like that. And when you have a girl someday that you love as much as I love mom, you're going to treat her that way too. Because that's not something that I really saw a lot growing up. I didn't see a lot of, you know, proper ways of a husband treating a of a wife or a wife treating a husband. So I'm excited to show him from my experience and from being around guys like that. I'm ready to pass that wisdom on. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. And I guess the last thing here that I'm most excited about in terms of having a son is just being intentional being very, very intentional. I have a lot of guys in my life that they're accidentally good fathers. They're accidentally decent fathers. They're accidentally bad fathers. It's because they have no intentionality in their lives. And I'm talking to the guys here that are maybe just kind of flowy. I mean, think of the guys that are late all the time, right? You know, time's just kind of relative. Hey, we'll get around to it. Hey, you know, it's a uh, Saturday at five 30 and you just now start the text message about getting guys together for the fight. You know, the, the guys that are just less intentional, right? I, I try to have intentionality with every part of my life, whether it's trying to get guys together for the fights or developing it in my marriage or who I am as a person, right? I'm very excited about being intentional with my son. And for some of you, you might be getting the idea that I'm just going to have a super regimented life and I'm not going to have any ambiguity and, you know, I'm not going to have any wiggle or left, or right. I'm certainly going to have that. Um, it may not be in the presentation that I'm giving to you right now that maybe you don't really hear that from me. You don't really get that in my voice, but I'm absolutely going to have that. I'm not going to create this regimented structure that this kid, you know, is going to be developed by the age of 18 and having done all these things and checked every box. I know that there's going to be some wiggle room in this development, but that doesn't mean I can't be intentional. For a lot of guys, when there's ambiguity, whether it's a school project or a work project or something at home, when there's any type of ambiguity, they're like, well, I guess I can't plan. Well, of course you can. Like there's ambiguity in the weather. That's why you have different shoes. That's why you have different coats. You know, that's why you have a garage that you can, you know, it's a room for your cars that you can pull in. There's ambiguity in the weather. That doesn't mean that you just don't plan for it. You can still be intentional about things. Why do people carry umbrellas in their car? Because in the state of Oklahoma, there could be no rain in the forecast for the next 12 years. It's definitely going to rain within the next hour. That's just kind of how it goes. Like that's just how it happens here. But I want to be very, very intentional. I want to be prepared. I want my heart, my soul, my mind, and my spirit to be as prepared as possible to be able to help this son grow up to be a tremendously beneficial and influential Christian man. I I want him to be a sheepdog. I want him to be a warrior. I want him to be an undaunted lifer. That's who I want this kid to be, right? And he's going to have some things that he wants for his life. And the thing about it is, is none of the things that I just said would be in contravention to the things that he would want to be, right? What, what kind of a, a man would not want to be a sheepdog, would not want to be a warrior, would not want to be tough, would not want to be a, a great, you know, lover of his spouse, a great lover of Christ, you know, those, those types of things. That's what I want to be. So I, I'm very, very excited about the rites of passage. I'm very excited about passing on wisdom and being super intentional. That's just, that's kind of where I sit. But real quick before I let you guys go, this is a word to the dads out there that have lost babies in the womb. 
And I'm assuming these were babies that were lost um, by natural means, by miscarriage, okay? I know there's some of you guys out here that have sat by and watched uh, your spouse kill your baby, right? Through abortion. I'm not talking to those guys right now. That's a different conversation for a different day. I'm talking about the guys that you were so excited that you had a baby on the way and it just didn't quite work out. There's nothing that I can really say that can take that pain away. All that I can tell you is I've experienced it too. And I wish I hadn't. I I mean, of course, like some people are like, oh, well, I don't regret any experiences because they all teach me something. No, no, no. I wish those babies were alive. I wish, I wish they were here right now. I wish they were in my house right now, right? Making a ruckus, making a, making a bunch of racket, but they're not here for whatever reason. Uh, God didn't see fit to, to allow them into this world or, or maybe in a post Genesis three world, it just wasn't uh, going to be beneficial. And, you know, without any intervention from God whatsoever, depending on your worldview that they're just not here now. But the, for you guys, this is my encouragement to you. Tell people about that. Tell, tell people that you've had loss, right? Make sure you talk about it with your wife because that's a very, very personal and intimate thing for her, obviously. But you need to talk to guys because the overwhelming thing that I felt and that I learned when I started communicating to guys about this is how many guys had gone through this as well. And they had the exact same feeling that I had after we lost our first baby. And it was that they felt like they couldn't talk to anybody about it. They just didn't know enough. They, they, they didn't know that it was this common or they found out that it was common, but they didn't want to, you know, be the first guy in the group to say something. I, I couldn't more strongly or more vigorously suggest that you do the opposite of that. Don't keep it to yourself, right? Not at all. Share it, share it with the, maybe not the world. Maybe don't put it on Facebook, but share it with guys, share it with important people in your life, share it with your family. And I know for me, there were certain people I didn't tell at certain times because I didn't want to multiply the sadness in the situation. But that's the thing, guys, is we live in a world where we need people's help. We need their support. And we can't know what that's going to feel like until until we ask for help, until we ask someone to shoulder our burdens. And I never felt more supported than when I told people that we had lost our second baby. Whether that be here on the podcast or in person at my foxhole or people in my Sunday school, it just helped. And it also gave a way for other guys to share as well. And so there was pain that guys in my foxhole, in my foxhole, that they were going through and I couldn't help them with it. It's not anyone's fault, you know, like, oh, it's their fault. They didn't share Like it's not someone's fault. It just didn't happen. Right. So we missed out on an opportunity to minister to somebody, to minister to their needs just because we didn't want to say anything. So don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that just bottles up the emotions and shoves them down as far into their soul and psyche as they can. Don't be that person. Share it. Guys, I'm with you. It sucks, but you've got to let other people come under your burden with you, okay? All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got a few books. So these were the first four things that I bought baby T. All right. Or so they were given to me as gifts, some of them as well, but it was all three of the Way of the Warrior Kids books by Jocko Willink. So there's Way of the Warrior Kid, Mark's Mission, and Way of the Warrior Kid 3, There, Where There's a Will. And then I also got another book that Jocko Willink did that's outside of that series. It's called Mikey and the Dragons. And so those are some of the best books 
that I think for for young men especially, but I, they would work for girls as well. Uh, the Mikey and the Dragons book is meant for you know earlier kids. That's like a bedtime bedtime reading type book. Whereas you know the uh, the Way of the Warrior Kids books can be maybe kind of preteen type books or something like that. But it just kind of teaches these kids to be tough. It's it's very Jocko Willink in its approach. If you're not familiar with Way of the Warrior Kid, you can follow them on Instagram. There's a Way of the Warrior Kid podcast that you can find. But I've just got the links here for you so you can buy those books on Amazon. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this, whether that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. And please refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us one because that will let us know what about this content you like, and it'll also get it out to more people. Guys, I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast, to your team, at your men's event, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.